God, we celebrate the way that your word is always at work. We've had three come this morning testifying how the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel as it's found in the word of God, has impacted their lives and changed them forever. God, as we come this morning, we realize that that's exactly the opportunity. It's exactly the purpose why we've gathered here today. We've come to hear the word of God. We have the opportunity to be changed forever. And the purpose that you have of our encounter of you is to be changed forever. God, we seek not to waste this opportunity, but to be faithful and to join together with so many other generations of believers over the years, over the centuries, that have responded to Joshua's challenge of choosing today whom we will serve and making the choice as we respond to your word to choose you. So God, we offer these moments and we ask you to work as you speak to us from your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we have been readying ourselves for the ascent to Easter, just as the Jewish pilgrims used to prepare themselves for the ascent up to Jerusalem for Passover, we've been considering the theme of hope. In particular, we've been exploring how it is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ allows us to live with hope in our present reality. Maybe another way to say the same thing is that we've been learning from the Scriptures how the resurrection of Christ makes it possible for us to live with hope in a discouraging world. But I think I want to be a little bit more specific than that. It's not just to live with hope, but it's to live with biblical hope in a discouraging world. You know, sometimes we use that word hope and it's, it's kind of a flimsy, kind of a wishful, dreaming kind of hope. And that's not what the Bible's talking about at all, you know. We, we might have a hope that, well, it won't rain on July 4th. Or we might have a hope that the Red Sox will win the next 160 games after they got crushed the first two games, you know. I mean, we we, we can have those kinds of hopes, which are more like a a dream that we know up front is fairly likely not to happen. That's not biblical hope at all. You know, when the Bible talks about hope, when God offers us the opportunity to live with hope in a discouraging world, and it's not hard to find things to find to be discouraged about in our world today, It's not talking about this flimsy kind of don't know if this is really going to work out. I just hope this kind of dream. It's it's not that kind of a fantasy type of hope. But it's it's a firm, it's a concrete, it's a confident kind of hope. In fact, in the Bible you'll see hope used the word hope used in two different senses. One one sense is is it uses the word hope to talk about the object of hope. And when it does that, it it often is a reference to the fact that that it's almost using word, the word hope as a synonym for our, our salvation. Not only our current salvation, but our ultimate salvation. It's, it is, so it's the object of our hope. It's what we hope in. And, and as Romans tells us that, you know, that which we can see, that which, which is, is tangible and touchable, that those kinds of things, that's not hope. That's reality. But hope are those things that's invisible, the things that, that are yet to come. And, and many things about our hope, of it, our, our salvation is, is based on our hope. We can't actually see that our names have been written in the Lamb's book of life, but we know that in our salvation that has happened. That's our hope. And so it's the object of our hope. But beyond that, so in, in some ways when the Bible uses the word hope, it's, it's referring to all that God has done. To provide an opportunity for you and I to live in relationship with Him. That you and I might be called the friend of God and the children of God. So it refers to all of God's work in preparing the gospel message. Not all, all that He did in the Old Testament, working with the people of God, and then the bringing of His Son into the, into the world and His death, burial, His resurrection. All those wonderful things that we celebrate in Easter. That's our hope. 
But the Bible also uses the term hope to, to refer about to the activity of hoping. It's, it's, it's here that we kind of get into this idea where it's this confident expectation that you and I have. It's, it's, it's you and I laying hold to the promises of God. And with our confidence that God is a promise keeper, we have hope for the way that we live. The fact that God keeps His Word, His promises to us. And with that, we find great resources to move forward in our journey. It's not, it's not an effort to somehow escape from reality. But it's, it's the activity of actually living like the people of God in our reality. Because we have hope. We hope in God. So we live with this wonderful expectation that our future will be better than our past. Not just in this lifetime as we become more and more Christ-like. As we seek to walk with God, but also for all of eternity. That we will experience inestimable blessings. Things that we can't even begin to describe, but... But the challenge for us is how to live with hope in a discouraging world. Wouldn't it be easy to live with hope if just everything was perfect? Nobody ever got sick. Nobody ever died. Nobody ever got fired or laid off from their jobs. There were no divorces. There's no murder or crime. There were no wars. None of that stuff. I mean, there was a time when the church believed that the gospel was going to transform the world so radically that, they, that almost every Christian was an amillennialist. They believed that, that it was already the reign of God in the world through the gospel. And the gospel was just going to change everything. But the first half of the 20th century, with two world wars, put an end to all of that belief. The world can be a very discouraging place, can it not? It's a great challenge for us to live with hope in a discouraging word, world. A place when we look around and we see so much that is indeed discouraging. So much that we can ask, is God really in charge anyways? Is God really sovereign? Where's all of His powers? Where's the glorious acts that He used to do? Where's all that stuff? And we can get discouraged. And so we've been looking at this concept of how to live with biblical hope, with resurrection hope in the midst of a discouraging world. And we've been turning to the book of 1 Peter, and I invite you to turn with me to the Apostle Peter's first letter to the churches of Pontius, Galatius, Cappadocia, Assyria, and Bithynia. If you're using one of our pew Bibles, you're going to find our text on page 1028 today. What a great author to turn to to talk about hope, Peter. You know, when, we, when, the, when the earthly life of Christ ended, Peter was hopeless. The last image we have of Peter connected with the earthly life of Jesus Christ was him walking out of the courtyard of the high priest, destroyed because he had denied his Savior three times. How the question of a little slave girl, you're one of the Galileans, was enough to shatter all of his courage and turn him into just a, a pile of soft mashed potato spiritual conviction. He just kind of turned into nothing. And that's the picture we have of Peter. He walks out of that courtyard. Tears are streaming from his, his eyes. And symbolically, he works out into the, walks out into the night. It's dark. And he's hopeless. Changes quite a bit on Easter morning. But even through his journey, Peter needed to learn that resurrection hope meant him as well. Because after his denials, all of his bravadity, where he would have been so bo- boisterous up front that I'll never deny you, I'll never turn away, even his willingness to get out a sword and cut off a, an ear of, of one of the high priest's servants who would come, all of that was all destroyed, and he didn't know how the new resurrected Christ would receive him. We see that wonderful picture in John where he's asked, Three different times, do you really love me? And then his ministry is restored. Feed my sheep. Peter knew all about hope. And his hope transformed him. <laughs> With the coming of the Holy Spirit, he was, willing to, he was able to stand 
before religious leaders who had the power to put him to death and declare that he could not help but speak about what he had seen and heard. He was transformed by the hope that he had been given in Jesus Christ. And here in this book, he's writing to a group of believers who need a word of hope. These churches were out in an area of the Roman Empire that was just fanatical about emperor worship. They 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 were just mesmerized by emperor worship. And this is in a time period where worship of the emperor was growing and, and there was more of an expectation and there was an understanding that Christianity really wasn't a part of Judaism and therefore wasn't exempted from having to do the things that all the rest of the Roman people, the people in the Roman world had to do. And with that, there was this challenge for them to worship the emperor as a sign of patriotism and loyalty. In this particular area of the country, regional persecution was beginning to develop towards these believers. And they could see that it was not going to be a great ride to walk with Christ. And so he writes, the one who would experience such great hope, having hopelessness transformed, he writes to them about hope. I want to share just a single verse with you today as we talk about this. Last week we looked at verse 13 of chapter 1 and we, we talked about the idea that living with hope in a, in a discouraging world means that you and I need to have a fixation. We need to have a fixation on the hope that's going to be brought to us. The grace that's going to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And with that, we understood that, he, that hope is not an emotional experience. It's a cerebral experience. We get our minds ready for hard work, as it says. Gird up your minds for action. You, you know, you've you got to get ready. And you really have to think through Why it is that you have hope, and you need to understand it. And with that, you need to be sober-minded. Not get caught up in all the dynamics that are going on around you, but be focused in on what God has done and what God's going to do. And with that, with that cerebral fixation. See, our faith is, is a thinking faith. It's not an emotional faith, it's a thinking faith. And so, to live with hope takes a fixation. But today, I want to focus on a little different understanding of what it takes to live with hope in a discouraging world. Let me read just verses... 3, 4, and 5 for us of chapter 1. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He starts with a word of worship. To bless God is to praise God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His minuscule mercy, His little mercy, His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that's imperishable, uncorrupted, and unfaded, fading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Wow. In Rwanda, they would break out in applause as they read a passage like that. There's a lot in this, just this single verse to kind of process. I We see here that according to God's great mercy, He has given us a new birth. He has caused us to be born anew, to be born again, if you will. He says, and we've been born again into a living hope and into an imperishable, if you will, inheritance. I want to focus in today on this idea of what it means to be born again into a living hope. When you combine this with the idea of being born again into a living hope and being born again into an inheritance. We, we see the inheritance as being future and the living hope as being our present. So I want to talk about the way it is you and I experience the gift of new life today. The idea of this living hope. Living um, is, is an interesting word here. It's really hard to, to kind of bring out the meaning. It's, it, you know, it, it's living because this hope is associated with the one who's still alive. 
Jesus Christ. More specifically, the one who's alive again. So this hope, because it's associated with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, has to be a living hope. Because the object of the hope, Jesus Christ is alive, the hope itself has to be alive. But more than that, it's, it's also alive because it enlivens us. This hope is a life-giving type of hope, you know? It, it, it's one that energizes us. It animates us spiritually. And it makes us alive. It makes us vital. It is the source of our spiritual and relational health in the world. It infuses our life with purpose. It brings, it brings a sense of meaning to every experience that we have in life, the good and the bad. It changes us here in the now. You know, it's interesting that as I focused on this text this week, I was really intent to talk about how it is this new birth and this living hope changes us. But that's going to have to wait for a different week, next week. Because I was struck by this thought as I prepared. I told my wife this morning, this doesn't really often happen to me, but, but as I was doing my final preparation and reflection this morning about the word that I would share with you, God just gave me a whole different message out of this text. And, he, and here, here, here it is in, in, its, in its, it, its gist. It's just this basic format. It is, it is impossible to live with hope if you don't have a solid foundation of hope, right? I mean, if every time you get into a situation where you really need this living hope and you're doubting whether or not you really have a living hope, it's hard to live with hope, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's an, it's, it seems to me quite evident. I, I think there are many people today who want to have hope Hope that they have hope, but they don't know that they have hope. And perhaps we are some of them. We want to have hope. We hope that we have hope, but we don't know that we have hope. And I believe that it is the purpose of the writings of First of Peter, as God is inspiring him to write to these churches that are about ready to experience difficulty, like they had never known it before. And through them to write to you and I today, to churches all around the world, in every generation, it's impossible for you and I to live with a living hope without being born anew to a living hope. To being absolutely convinced, knowing for sure that we have been born anew to a living hope. See, this isn't something you can manufacture. Look, look at the name, what he says here. It says, he has given us a new birth into a living hope. Some of your translation says, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope. This isn't something that you generate. This isn't your initiative. This isn't something or another that you just get crafty enough where you figure it all out and you make the pieces and you live into enough self-help, positive thinking kind of things and now you're just a helpful, hopeful person. This is a gift that God gives to you. And if you haven't, don't have that gift, and if you aren't convinced that you have that gift, it's impossible to live with the fruit of that gift. You see, the only way to have a living hope, a hope that energizes everything about our lives, the thing that allows us to transform every experience into a spiritual opportunity to become more like Christ, to know more about God, to prepare ourselves for our eternity, the only way to live with that kind of a hope is to have it given to us and to be certain that we know that it's been given to us as we've been born anew in Jesus Christ. I want you to notice here that God is the cause of salvation. You're going to pick up a little later in verses 18 and 19 and 20 of, of chapter 1. Let me just read those verses for you. It's just across the column. For he says, you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life. Let's read hopeless way of life. Inherited from the fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the times for you. 
The whole plan of salvation was designed, implemented, and executed before you and I even drew a breath in the earth. We don't have anything to do with salvation. God is the cause of being born anew to a living hope. God is the reason why we have a living hope. It's nothing that we do on it. It's a gift that's given to us. It's what God has done. God is the cause of our being born anew. You and I can't do anything to merit God's salvation, His forgiveness. We can't somehow work our way along to where we are, are good enough that somehow or another we can achieve a certain standard and we got to get over the bar and after that God's okay with the rest of things. God only accepts perfection in His midst. The only people who can have a relationship with God are, are, are perfect people. And if you're perfect, you're the only other person in history except for Jesus Christ who's ever been perfect. The greatest saints throughout all of the world, of, of the, the history of the world, people that we would say of today who are the spiritual giants, the people like the Billy Grahams and others would tell you that they're not good enough to merit God's favor, even though they've given their lives away in the service of God. It comes from God. It's a gift from God. You and I are born anew by this gift that God gives us through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It says it took great mercy to do this, according to His great mercy. It took a tremendous amount of mercy on the part of God to take that which was sinful and to forgive it through the death of His Son, Jesus Christ. How do you become born anew? I think there's several things that we should contemplate as a part of that. One is I think we need to let God confront us with our need for mercy. You know, one of the hardest things is when we're struggling to try to find hope, it's really hard to embrace our hopeful, hopelessness, you know, without God. You, you know what I'm saying? You know, you're, you're, you know, and so we get into a place where we're, we're trying to feel better about ourselves, better, better our circumstances, better our future. We're, we're wrestling for all of that, and then somehow or another to be confronted with our need for mercy, which means we're confronted with our own sinfulness. That's not a very popular, it kind of takes us in the other direction, doesn't it? But we need to let ourselves be confronted with our need for mercy. And then with that, we need to accept the mercy that God has offered us in Jesus Christ. And by our choice, by our personal choice, as those who came this morning have testified to all of you, make it a personal choice to embrace God's mercy, to receive that new life that's characterized here by, by Peter as having a living hope be changed, you know, and you wouldn't be the first or the last to make that choice. You wouldn't be the worst or you wouldn't be the greatest to make that choice. I know of CEOs who have made hundreds of millions of dollars in their lifetime who have given their lives to Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. And I've met scratch farmers in Rwanda who are wondering where the next meal is going to come from who have given their life to Jesus Christ and experienced this great mercy. You see, we need to embrace this new life that God gives us. And with that brand new life comes this great hope, this living hope. And it's made possible by the resurrection of Christ. So we need to receive this new life. But, you know, this is all for accent. Just I know you can hear all of this. So, um, I also want you to know that, that living with hope in a discouraging world, living with biblical hope, living with the living hope in the biblical, in, in a discouraging world, it, it, it not, we need to experience this new life because it's the only place where we get it. But then you and I need to be certain of it as well. You know, it, it, there's a sense in which our confidence that we have received this living hope is a big player in whether or not you and I are really equipped to live with hope in a discouraging world. We need to be born anew, and we need to be confident that we've been born anew. Confidence is a huge player. I remember when I was in high school, you know, our, our football team, I played football and lacrosse in high school, and our football team was kind of, eh, you know. We, we won some, we lost some. We got killed some, 
you know, on occasion. The lacrosse team, we was good, you know. And, and it just felt so different when you went on the field. You know, you, the, the, the game or two a year that we knew that we weren't, we, maybe we wouldn't win, felt so much different than all the other ones when we knew that, they were, that we were just going to win. It, it, confidence is a huge difference. I'm using a trivial example. But how many of us sitting here this morning are absolutely confident? It's this brimming over sense of confidence that we have this new life. And with this new life comes a living hope that energizes us, that animates us, brings life to us so that we can transform every experience into a part of our walk with God. I believe there's a, a suggestion for us at the beginning of chapter two, but how to live lives where we're convinced that we have this new living hope that comes with a new life that we have in Jesus Christ. Let me read just as verses 1 through 3 for us of chapter 2. So rid yourselves of all wickedness, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. It's very interesting that all of those are relational sins. Because nothing destroys our spiritual vitality more than being at odds with the family of God. Just like newborn infants, desire the unadulterated spiritual milk of the word so that you may grow by so that you may grow by it in your salvation since you have tasted that the lord is good you know what he's saying here he says now that we've received this tremendous gift from god this new life in christ that we've tasted that the lord is good man we ought to have this longing inside of us for that which helps us to grow spiritually to have this commitment to grow spiritually to be hungering and thirsting for righteousness so that we're growing spiritually. And as we see that hunger and thirst within us, as we have this longing for the pure, unadulterated milk of the Word, if you will, we, and we're grow, we can see ourselves growing in our salvation and our confidence grows. We know that we have the new life. We know that we have the living hope. We know that we can do it. Have you tasted the Lord's kindness? If you haven't, I invite you to taste the Lord's kindness today. Go ahead and let God lead you to confront your sin. Maybe a painful experience. But the outcome of experiencing His great mercy is such an incredible release as God enters into your life. Take that step today. Have you tasted the Lord's kindness? Do you know? Do you know? This is a dominating, life-changing, everyday knowledge that you've tasted the kindness of the Lord. Is that a part of your experience? Because you are longing for the pure milk of the Word, so by it you may grow in respect to your salvation. See, God's given us a great gift to new life, to a living hope. And we can live with that living hope if we have it and we know that we have it. That's my prayer for you. It's my prayer for me today. That we would be a people who know that we have the living hope that comes from being born anew by the great mercy of God, which He designed all by Himself before you and I ever came into this world. Taste the kindness of God today. Let's pray together. God, I'm grateful that you're not the type of God who wants to somehow just kind of transport us to a fairy land. Somehow just lead us to escape out of this world. And somehow convince ourselves that what's going on around us and in us just isn't important. It isn't real or whatever. But God, you step into our world. And you meet us with your hope in the midst of that world. So that we can be a people who live with hope. God, we are heartbroken today that there's so much spiritual discouragement in our world. God, we're, so, we're heartbroken today. There's so much spiritual discouragement, even in our own church fellowship. God, let us taste again by knowing that we have tasted your kindness. And with that, Father, let us be born anew and to live those new lives full of living hope. You've never taken that step this morning and you're wondering, well, how, how is it that I invite Christ into my life? How do I acknowledge it? You can just pray a prayer just as simple as this. The words in some ways don't matter. It's what your heart really means. But you can pray a prayer like this. God, I, I know that I'm not perfect. I've lived life my way and I confess that to you. 
God, I want a taste of your mercy. I want to be forgiven. And I ask you to forgive me based upon the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and the power to grant new life that he, gave, that he symbolizes by his resurrection. And God, I don't know what it all means just yet, but I commit myself to live in my life by faith in Jesus Christ. And with that, Father, I thank you for making me born again to a living hope. For this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, we have some special resources for you out in the lobby. We, we don't try to kind of overwhelm you and et cetera, like you, let you take things at your own pace, but we do want to allow you to take some next steps forward. You could just track me down out there in the lobby, and uh, I'll be glad to point out the resources to you and some great ways to take some new steps. For the rest of us, let's be certain. Let's live certain that we have that living hope. I invite our worship team to come and to lead us in our closing song. And as we begin to sing, I invite our ushers to come forward and receive our offering this morning.